I'm Brandon. And I'm Brandon. And a holly jolly Christmas to you all. And there's no other way to spend Christmas than with a Sean Murphy book. And this year we chose Punk Rock Jesus, which is really not a Christmas book at all. This is, <laughs> this <laughs> well, is they choosing it. <laughs> they mentioned Christmas in the beginning, don't they? It's like December 26th. This is happening right now, you know, <laughs> yeah. like the day after. Yeah, yeah I think it's, uh, it's a, I mean, it's on his birthday too. Um, which is hilarious, but good, good Christmas holiday pick, Brandon. This is, oh yeah, this is I what happens when we leave the schedule up to you. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, I don't know. It, it just seems kind of fitting, honestly. It's, I mean, it's so appropriate because it fits us so well. And, um, like those of us, those who have heard like our little origin story, you know, Brandon and I did grow up as little punk kids and we do love comic books and Sean Murphy's like the most punk rock artist like out there right now. Yeah. He's kicked ass and the vibe is perfect and he has some great influences and it's uh it is literally a punk rock christmas when you really break it down you know even to the last chapter where they wind up um did you uh, okay i'm just gonna say i listened to a bunch of like punk rock christmas songs while reading it in, hell like, yeah background yeah Oh, because, sorry. <laughs> you got so excited. excited. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love all those like punk, like uh, Christmas covers and all that. They're so cheesy, but I still mm-hmm. dig it. You know, like, I dig it hard. What, what, do you, what are some of your favorite ones? You know, I like the, uh, there's like three Blink-22 ones. There's mm-hmm. like, uh, I Won't Be Home for Christmas. There's uh, another, Classic. not another Christmas song. Um, I think they're, oh, Happy Holidays, You Bastard. Yeah, and then uh, Boxing Day, Boxing Day, and Boxing Day. Yeah. yeah, Boxing Day is like a like a sad Christmas song. So like four, you know, there's like No Doubt on there, Oi to the World, and yeah. you know, there's like the Twelve Days of Pop Punk Christmas. That's a favorite of mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's like a whole playlist of a bunch of them. I even threw the really cheesy ones on there, like uh, the Last Christmas song with uh, Jimmy Eat World. Oh yeah, yeah. There's like yeah. three uh, Jimmy Eat World Christmas songs. I always love those. Uh, <laughs> I always do the the Bad Religion Christmas album because it's real Christmas music, but it's like Bad Religion sing. <laughs> it's, so, it's so I shared it at work, um, and maybe a bit more on the metal side. Rob Halford and Judas Priest made a metal Christmas album. <laughs> oh, dude, you know who made a metal Christmas album? No one knows about uh, Christopher Lee. Yes. 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 Ah, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, God, it's amazing. So cool. It's like metal opera. And yes. then, like the cover is just Christopher Lee, just old as hell, sitting <laughs> old, like hold, barely holding a guitar. Yes. He's got like standing next to him. And I was like, oh my God, this is like post Lord of the Rings, Christopher Lee, I think. <laughs> yes, it's like post Count Dooku and everything, dude. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm it's so, so awesome. happy you know about that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was good uh, synergy right there. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I, I just felt like the book is definitely not a all around Christmas book, but they do mention some Christmas stuff. And But it's about Jesus, and that's what makes it Christmassy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other thing, too, is I mean, I love Sean Murphy. Can you remember which Sean Murphy book was your first one? Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I know, I know there was something before Tokyo Ghost, although maybe Tokyo Ghost was my first read and I was just aware of the artist, or it could have. I don't know if I read Tokyo Ghost first, or didn't he do Chromonauts too with Mark Millar? He did, and, and then he did American Vampire with Scott Snyder. Yeah, I was gonna say oh, that's please. where that's where I found out about him was uh, American Vampire, but I didn't know who he was. I think and, it was Hellblazer. I think I okay. read his Hellblazer little arc, and then I might have read Joe the Barbarian, 
and everything else kind of started falling into place. And it was, it took forever for me to recognize him though. Same here. I didn't realize who he was as an artist until I read the wake. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's such a good one too. I've, I've read a lot of his, almost all of his work to tell you. The yeah. Truth. He's, he's done a lot of good stuff. Surprisingly enough, he hasn't done any Marvel. Um, as really? far as I know, no, no, huh? No covers or anything, huh? Uh, he did some star Wars stuff, but I'm pretty sure that's dark horse. Hmm. Yeah, and he did a prequel to Interstellar. So there's that. Uh, wow. <laughs> published, in, that. published in Wired magazine. Sure. Wow. Uh, but as far as I know, he's done a lot of DC Vertigo image stuff. Mm-hmm. I think his um, work was the one called Crush. In yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think even at the end of Punk Rock Jesus, he talked about working on this script back in like 2003. Yeah. So Punk Rock Jesus was like, um, his first one of his first ideas as a writer and or as a creator really he kind of always knew he wanted to do both and he was working on a story about the IRA um, who are prominent like players in this book um, and he just like couldn't get the story right it just like kept on failing and it was just filled with plot holes and all this stuff but at the time he had gotten a deal with Dark Horse and that was like his first gig and then he started getting small stuff with DC. Um, I think he, I think his Hellblazer came out before this, and I want to say the Wake came out before this, and so did. I think he did some Batman stuff too. I want to uh, say I'm looking at his list right now. And Joe the uh, Barbarian came out before, th- and that's such a fun book. And that's when I really started admiring him because there's so many Batman the Animated Series references to that. Um, and of course, his White Knight series just. Oh yeah, Blue it's guy awesome. Up. Yeah, his uh, to me personally, some of his best work is Tokyo Ghost. <sighs> so good, so um, good. I don't know if he colors it, but no, um, it's Matt Hollingsworth. I think did of the course, yeah, that guy's yeah. literally on it. Oh, is Matt Hollingsworth uh does inking? Well, I thought he was just a colorist. Is he? No, that's a lot of work, dude. Like, because he's on everything, unless he just works like crazy. Oh, he's a colorist. All right, you're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> I was Googling it. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the big dummy. Oh, he works oh. on Preacher. I didn't know that. Um, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, I only asked that because like a lot of artists that we love today uh, typically had a lot of stuff we were exposed to without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, Sean Murphy is one of those people that's definitely climbed the ranks because... When you look at his, he's never been terrible. You know, he's only gotten better though. Yeah. And what's cool about his art, uh, art style is that he's very traditional. Um, he's really influenced by like Lone Wolf and Cub. And um, all, all he uses is like pencil and brush. I want to say that's like his, his like working tell. materials. Yeah. Yeah. He probably uses tell. Photoshop occasionally, but. You know, Whoa. he still has Yeah, a, you're you're right. He he does use it to edit stuff, but even at that, he will do the cut and paste type of thing before anything else. Um I just recently was watching him do a a Batman cover. Um and I think it was something that was like for Batman the Adventure Continues. I want to say it's the issue number 2 cover. Um but he tried different fit, uh, poses for Batman and you could tell it was pasting over like mm-hmm. the little spot for him. And I, I admire that, especially not going full digital for stuff like this. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. 
And uh, I was going to say, though, with his art style and the way he does, like, you know, using actual or using like actual inks and pencils and all that, Mm -hmm. his art style has kind of and you can correct me if I'm wrong. It kind of has that Jeff Lemire kind of effect. I'm just going to use that term now because I, I just have to talk about Jeff Lemire every time. The Lemire? That's, that's the, like coin here right Lemire. now. The yeah. Lemire. The Lemire. Uh, where are you? Oh, go ahead. Is it, should we do the Lemire or la Lemire? La. la. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever sounds more professional, I guess. <laughs> la Lemire. <laughs> Well, the oh, sorry, Le Lemire. Um, I say that because Lemire's art style is one of those art styles where a lot of characters look the same, and not in a bad way, of course. Where right. you can tell that's him, and no one can mimic that. Like if you are getting him to draw a book, that that is the kind of book you should you should definitely know what you're getting into. Yes, he has and a style. Like he, he has a style. And, yeah, and he came out of the gate like that, and that's the cool thing. I don't. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen Crush before. Um, you know, I have the Batman Scarecrow Year One book, and I don't remember what the art's like. It's, I've, it's been so long because it came out when Batman Begins came out. Um, I, I don't want to say it's ever been like comic booky because you know how like Frank Miller started and it looked like everyone else's, John yeah. Jr. looked like everyone else's, but then they both developed their own style after a while and it was distinct. Yeah, um, exactly. But he never went through that first phase. Like it's always just been Sean Murphy's work. Yeah, he does. Like uh, if you look at Sean Murphy, like if you're flipping through the book, if you look at faces, his, a lot of his noses look the same. Um, on top of that, his characters have very broad shoulders. Yes. He and uh, you know stuff like that, and a lot of his characters are really tall. If you notice, like everybody's super tall. Oh, in his they books. have super long legs. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a recent one and um, it's his Harley Quinn book that's out right now with his wife. And there's a panel where Batman's climbing through the window and I, I didn't recognize the object, but it's his leg. That's so long. <laughs> that's actually yeah. not his art. He only does covers. Oh, that's Matteo well, Scalara. The guy, I think I'm saying his name properly. Oh, it's, it's mimicked Laura. really well almost uh, I, I thought it was just a different colorist and inker because his yeah gives a lot of definition as well yeah that's the guy from black science with rick remender oh yeah hey um, uh sidetrack real fast black science dude the card covers just came out again and i got the first one and all three of them already sold out and he just posted that he doesn't know when they'll be reprinted again oh man that's crazy well i have issues so Oh really? I read it as a dude. I got, I got a Rick Remender signed number one Black Science Deadly Class Low and uh, his Venom and X Men stuff. Damn! Oh, you I, told I, me you took a stack to him, and he just yeah, like, dude. I I showed up to Rick Remender's table with like a bag. That's full dope. Of I admire books. that guy. <laughs> you know he worked on the Dead Space games. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh wow. He was uh, in video game stuff before doing comic books. That's really awesome. Okay, yeah. we're getting sidetracked. Sorry, we're we're, yeah, we're right. going to talk about him. Uh, we're <laughs> yeah. literally going to read his book soon. That's next month. That's January. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Anyways, I was going to say, uh, one thing we're going to, you know what we should do when we're going over this book? You should count how many motorcycles you find. <laughs> how, and then we should count how many Akira motorcycles we see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got a certain style and it's not bad and it's not the greatest as in he beats everybody, but it's his style. Mm-hmm. And he uses it to tell a very specific story, whether he's working with someone or like punk rock Jesus working on writing it and drawing it. What, what's super interesting is that like he 
you know, this is his first work and he wrote and, you know, drew the story. And then he did a few years where he was, you know, an artist for somebody else, you know, for Batman, the wake, all that type of stuff. And it was when his white Knight series came out that he declared, he's never going to work with the writer again. He's like, I, it's kind of just for a money aspect too. He's like, we get paid the same, but I do like 10 times more work. Oh, um, and so I didn't he, know he like officially declared that declared it. He was supposed to do uh, the last night on earth with Scott Snyder. That was going to be his final story. Um, as an artist working with a writer, but oh, I did not know then that. his white knight thing got crazy. And I think they just came to an agreement and, and you know, of course Scott was cool with it. Cause he had Capullo do it with him. Yeah. But, uh, well, Capullo probably makes a crap ton of money now. So yeah, <laughs> he's not going to say no to a bad book. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I will say, uh, Sean Murphy is insanely nice, dude. Insanely nice. Uh, I, I want to meet him. I met him at New York Comic Con the one year I went and I got a white knight book signed and you know he wouldn't do an interview because he was under contract and when with DC people you have to sometimes go through the DC like people like the PR people to yeah. get to do interviews um but I was just like hey well then he, and but he straight up said he's like but you can ask me anything and I'll tell you like but off the record like I just can't have you do an interview but what do you want to know man and I was like holy fuck dude like <laughs> and so he was telling me all the specs on white knight i got the whole lowdown on white knight and what he was planning um before the book even or right that's when the amazing book came out. yeah i knew about issue two and three right when issue one came out and that's it was amazing he's so cool such a great guy and i hope to meet him again and get more stuff signed um no, I, that's I, why I have so many prints i have i have like six prints from sean murphy because i was just, i god i i can't wait to meet him at some point hopefully soon i always say i can't wait to meet these people and then maybe one day work in the same office right yeah dude yeah he's and he's super into cars he's super into like all this cool stuff. And that's why yeah, you can tell he likes motorcycles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you look at Tokyo ghost, um, even the wake Batman, white Knight, this every like massive muscle bound man is like riding a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I'm trying to think of where, um, da, 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 there's, I'm, I'm in the deluxe edition right now, as people can see in the visuals. Um, Excuse me. He God. does stuff. I'm trying to see the bike. Oh, uh, it's a classic 1939 Indian scout that he bases it off of. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I don't know anything about motorcycles, but cool. Me either. But <laughs> people Google away and, you know, we'll post Let us some know. pictures maybe. Yeah. But all right. Well, I mean, punk rock Jesus, dude. So he slept in a trash can in LA when him and his friend moved out there to try to make it big. And that's kind of where the story started. And he questioned himself. He's like, did Mike Mangola have to sleep in a trash can or maybe do something as extreme as I'm doing to somehow make it in comics? And he kind of had the realization just to do everything he could. And that's where the writing and the drawing came out of because he was always an artist. Um, but that's how far this guy went to like become a creator. And kind of that's how long this book has been in his soul for. Mm-hmm. Well, he also is admitted to have been a practicing Catholic. Mm -hmm. uh, I think when he started this book, he was. And as he, got, as he got older and had more experience in the world and grew up, he eventually declared himself an atheist. So I think this book 
is a reflection slash kind of critique of Catholicism, Christianity mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and that was another reason why I was really interested in it. Cause like I was raised Catholic in a Catholic family my whole life. Same um, here. Probably until about 16 is when I like realized that it wasn't for me. And uh, I think that's what gravitated me towards this book was, you know, I grew up believing that, you know, Christmas is a Catholic Christian holiday and Mm -hmm. all that stuff associated with it. I'm pretty sure a lot of people have had similar experiences. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see a book like this. That's someone who's relatable, someone who had grew up Catholic, but then became an atheist. Mm -hmm. So I think when you look at the book through that lens of understanding or your understanding of religion and all that, it's definitely an interesting critique and kind of like reflection of like how that society or religion, whatever you want to label it as, you know, would handle certain situations maybe. Yeah. I, yes, I could totally see that. And um, just knowing what I do know about like Irish Catholics and how extreme it gets um, with their, the way they follow religion and how they, attuned to it it was a very interesting contrast of like how we grew up with it on like i guess more of a the southwest you know i was more latin catholic so exactly yeah Yeah. we were both the same in that sense you know um it's a very different extreme (laughs) yeah it definitely (laughs) is it's 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 the same religion but two completely different ends of the spectrum yes Right. It's you know, very, if if uh, Catholicism landed on like a uh, some sort of like line, you know, you'd have the you know one end to your left is like this version, and then the other end to your right is like another version of like mm-hmm. Catholicism. Yeah, and we are exact opposite. So seeing it, you know, this intensely uh, is you know kind of fascinating at the same time. You know, as someone who grew up with this, and you know, my grandmother still goes to church and everything every Sunday. Oh yeah, dude, my my yeah. family's all about it too. <laughs> um, and you know, all the crosses and everything just felt at home. <laughs> this whole like little kitchen layout feels like home pretty much on the first uh, page. first page. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, man. So it's, it's such a brutal and great setup. You know what I mean? Like the, the family gets attacked right away. Um, and obviously the son is terrified and he's just listening to his dad. He ends up shooting his dad in, his, in the throat. Um, and walks out and sees his parents dead. Like it's such a superhero like setup. Like do you just or like origin story? Good, yeah, that origin story. That uh, um, I mean, just a good motivation. And then it's that tragedy that happens right away that captures your attention, and you immediately just feel for this kid. And then it says twenty five years later, and you have your hard earned badass on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> you got to bring out that tally board if you have one. Start, start making oh yeah that's right let me let me yeah. note this i'm let me get the note card um, I, I really need to see this and then you have kind of like the mentor come and pick him up and although the mentor uh i mean spoilers i mean everyone you know go read this book um although the mentor isn't exactly a good guy uh he's still the uh the mentor for the beginning and that's who we kind of base his actions and how he grows up on um mm. And we drift right away into that, like, I don't know, to me, whenever I see the news reporter, like, on a panel, um, it just gives me that Frank Miller vibe, that Dark Knight. Oh, immediately, when you see, like, that, you know, Dark Knight 
like newscaster kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, That's exactly. All I was going to say on the page before it, when you, uh, when it goes to 25 years later and Thomas has become the, you know, the, like I said, the badass, mm-hmm. uh, it says right there, get ready for the second coming Christmas 2019. Yes. A book he worked on in 2003 and got published in 2013. So mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Uh, if only then, uh, I was on the podcast in 2019, it would have been the perfect timing. Yeah, this would have been a great Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, I think it, it oh, we'll, we'll find out how, I forgot what year this ends in, but I think it does tell us too. So it'll be an interesting contrast. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I love how he brings the, his setup is really well done. Like you get the gist of everything and who everything is. However, you know, we're introduced with Thomas in the beginning and I've, we were just talking before the show, but I immediately get the vibes that like Thomas is the main character. You know what I mean? And when you yeah, see definitely. punk rock Jesus and you see a tragedy happen and he's kind of like now 25 years later, and you get the vibe that he might be this character. So well, he's an of, important character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it's going to be, we'll, we'll mark when we finally get to our main character. But yeah. um, it's an interesting setup. You know, he was writing this when American Idol was getting really big and he hated that whole paparazzi, celebrity, celebrity like, like corporate you know, media. Team. Yeah, corporate media, like 100%. Um, he hated that and that's what he tried to put into this. And it's funny, we have our first bat symbol. That's how much he loves the animated series. Also, side note, Sean Murphy has a Batman the Animated Series podcast. That's amazing. I need to and go he, check that he out. He goes over each episode with somebody else. It's super cool. Um, oh, but, yeah. We were going to point out uh, that no, that newscaster, um, how they're talking about the doctor that's going to clone Jesus. We were saying, like, uh, the name of all names to have. I know. I was like, oh, wow. Like, because uh, her name is Sarah Epstein. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's so messed up. Um, it's. Uh, it, reading this in 2020, I'm sure it didn't doesn't feel the same as it would have <laughs> in 2013. Years ago, yeah, um, yeah. So we meet her, and I think we meet Gwen right away, right? The two, the virgin, who is uh, going to give the birth to Christ. Yeah, which is crazy because, like, you know, they don't really go into detail. And this is like, uh, you know, I was telling you. Uh, before we were recording a lot of this, I feel like there's a lot of layers to this book in terms of like, it's a critique and messaging. Mm -hmm. And Gwen is one of those characters that like, you feel bad for her. So bad. It breaks your heart. What happens to her every step. Yeah. And like the, I feel like to me, as we go over it, you know, Gwen is a character that kind of represents the, I guess the image that media tries to, you know, create and portray certain women mm-hmm. um oh 100 um yeah i mean everything they do to her they give her breast implants they make her go on a certain diet she has a, a fitness routine um she's only allowed to do certain things at certain times um they, they kind bleach of blonde her hair yeah they bleach her hair they yeah. kind of just feed her alcohol too which is brutal you know um, and, they, oh was that and I was going to say, and also that they say that they need a virgin to give birth to this Jesus and they don't talk about it, but it's like, how did they even like, so is that something they had to like, I just go through like a bunch of like contestants and like check for, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, like to see if they're telling the truth or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like, you know, that's the, the beginning hints of like the, you know, the abuse they put this poor woman through. Yeah. It's uh, and she's just covered with, you know, 
the public. She's like on camera 24 seven. Like that's her life. And she's only what, 18. Like 18. Oh, she is 18. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, 18 coming out of the gate and they do all that to her body and then throw her into reality TV show to give birth to Christ. Um, which is, you know, it's kind of cool the way it's all set up within the first like 15 page, 10, 15 pages. I want to say, yeah, about 10 pages, you know, who all the characters are, except for, you know, you briefly know who Jesus is. Um, but we have Thomas, we have Gwen, we have the doctor, and then we even have uh, what's his face. That's running. Um, j2 oh uh, yeah i always forget his name because like Ophus. well uh i think his name is Ophus. uh oh and no isn't Ophus the dude with batman shirt the black guy uh let me see oh, you know i have all the characters right here Let's no that, uh the guy with the batman shirt is tim oh tim okay there you go yeah um let me see no not Ophus. well we'll get his name I'm really bad with names when I'm reading books for like the first or second time. Yeah. And this was your first time reading it, wasn't it? Yes. I, uh, you know, I read it and then I went back to make some notes. Slate. How do we forget that? Slate. Slate. Such a villain name. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So yeah, we have Slate who is in the, in charge of the company that's like producing J2 and all he wants is viewerships. Um, that's all he cares about. He doesn't care what he has needs to do to get them, but he just wants views and he just wants this to happen and just to keep it going. And it goes on for like six or seven seasons of reality TV through the pregnancy and everything. And he is the ultimate evil corporation, bad guy. Um, Thomas is like our punish. He's basically the punisher dude. Um, he's like a punisher, personal security guard. Yeah. It, um, we see, we think he's the main character because we see him first. Um, his, his tragedies presented first. Um, and he's kind of like the guy that's just looking for redemption the entire book. Um, we'll get to Chris. We'll get to the polar bear. Uh, oh, but yeah. Gwen, we were just talking about, that's the mom. We're about to be introduced to Daisy Milton and the NAC. Isn't it the National Association of Christianity? No, it's actually the, she says it right here. I'm on the page where you get your second motorcycle when, uh, because they are outside and they are the new American Christians, new American Christians. There you go. So the NAC, uh, to me represents the obvious, which is what's the best word to use the maybe overly zealot. Um, oh Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like Christians, Catholics. Yes. The extremists um, that are just terrifying the Trump supporters in a sense. Um, just basically. running around with their guns. And, and like signs and like, and you know. They're just kind of lost and confused and. Screaming and violently attacked. Like, they're kind of all white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're in a, uh, and it's all full circle yet again. <laughs> but uh, they're basically against the cloning of Jesus. Yes, because yeah. it's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, there's also that, that biblical prophecy of like the second coming of Christ is like the mm-hmm. end of the world. And, you know, for a lot of super religious people, that's, you know, that, um, that's what you would call the, not reckoning. What would it be? Um, there's a name for it. I forgot because I haven't been a practicing Catholic since I was Isn't like, that like the whole revelations thing. That's, yeah. Yeah. I have no I, idea. I, remember I can't remember. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been to church since like 13, but, <laughs> um, well, we also have Tim. Um, Tim is a super interesting character. He's kind of just like a supporting character that uh, is real kind of flat. He has like the same attitude the whole time. He's empathetic, but um, he's really just 
trying to just do his job, but at the same time, he knows everything that's going on is wrong and he does help at the right times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Epstein has her own, you know, motives. She doesn't like any of this. She doesn't agree with any of this, um, but she does have a project that needs to get funded. And the only way to fund that project that can save the world is to by clone Jesus is to clone Jesus and to do all this stuff. Um, yeah. Um, the other three see. characters like Rebecca, um, Chris and the polar bear, we all kind of get to over time. Yeah. Go I was going to say, um, before we move on, are you on the, I'm on the page that introduces the NAC. Oh, okay, cool. I'm uh, I was just about to say right before we get to that, uh, they are on a secluded Island, the J two, like little, I think it's just called the J2 Island. It looks um, like the, the Titans Tower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's where they're keeping everybody. There's no go- going in, no going out. Um, they are going to live on this, in this industrial, not even industrial, this like amazing billionaire building. Um, and it even has a cross. Like at the very, <laughs> I never noticed that till right now. Does it? Yeah, if you look at one of the panels. Oh, it does. Yeah, it's yeah. like this huge cross on one of like the pillar, not pillar, like on a mountain cliff. Yeah, um, but, um, yeah, and everyone's we're basically everyone's gathering there to get onto the island. Yeah, I was gonna tell you. So here's my thing with the book, and this is where you start to see it. Uh, I do like it's apparent I love this book, and I think it's really uh, like Sean Murphy's art style is amazing. But I really wish I could have seen a version that was full of colors. You know, it's like when you read Akira, honestly, like when I read Akira and I see the first few pages of each book, it's in color. And I'm like, I want to see the rest of it in color. Yeah. Um, black I and white does so well in some, I don't know, like Love and Rockets. That's in black and white. Yeah. But it's like so it's still, yeah, it still works. Don't get me wrong. It's just, so if you look on the page to the left on the bottom panel where all the people are at the gate, yeah uh because there's so many people it just gets really muddled together and that happens happens a lot in this book exactly it happens a whole lot maybe that's what he's going for this like chaotic look maybe that's where i get that punk kind of vibe from and maybe that's why he did it um but i'm not gonna lie i kind of wish there was like a second print that just someone decided to color it or maybe himself you know like it's like from hell you know what i mean like they eventually colored it and you know brought it to life you know in the last what year or two i want to say it was coming out um but eddie campbell even touched up some of the drawings and uh colored the whole thing and it would be great to get like an anniversary issue of some sort um where he does he'll make money off of it just yeah maybe the 10th anniversary who knows oh that'd be cool yeah Uh, that'd be super cool you hear that sean murphy (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, you know i i do love the bill sinkevich like um, inking he has going on and maybe maybe that's what he's kind of go- but i mean he uses brushes which is which makes sense and explains a lot of it, it could just be the splatter paint in general but it does feel very sinkevich inspired mm-hmm. uh, but you, you're kind of just let known that thomas is a badass right away yeah uh, he just kind of starts drop kicking people and punching them and you know threatening all, them all of his buildings that he does draw they do look very batman beyond the boat, everything he has. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, well, it was what, 2019? So it was like six years in the future. There's always like that yeah, slightly futuristic, sleek kind of, you know, look mm-hmm. to technology and automotives and all that. So maybe that's what he was going for. Oh, so um, you look at his bike now and you could tell he's fixing it up. 
And I guess that's where it gets that advanced, like futuristic kind of, you know, long front and everything later on in the book. Yeah. And we're also, there's a koala bear, I mean, a polar bear on the, his name is Cola. I don't know why I said koala. Um, Cola, the um, polar bear, I don't know why he's there, but there's a polar bear living. Well, they say, so this is what I thought was interesting. This book is very wacky. It's very comic booky. And I was trying to figure out why a polar bear. And maybe I could have done some research, but maybe he just likes polar bears. Oh, I thought you were going to give like some like amazing fact on why it's <laughs> well, he's obviously named after the Coca-Cola commercials or she, and, um, I think the polar bears, the polar bears female. Um, yeah, because it has, uh, babies. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she, uh, she's named after the Coca-Cola polar bears. I think that's pretty apparent. And they talk about how they gave, they cloned her and gave her the personality of a dog. Oh, oh, so it's just a clone experiment. Okay. Yeah. And that's like the beginning of their clone experiments. Um, Let me note down this next panel with the motorcycle as Thomas is working on it. Um, Oh, and then um, I'm kind of flipping through the pages. I'm a few pages ahead. Uh, Okay. But he is drinking out of a mug that does have a motorcycle if you want to count that too. Which page is that? Wait, what? Oh, God. Oh, wait. No, that's a different... That's a different one. Oh, okay. I'm trying to find it right now. It's when him and Tim or Tim is just like, all right, you got to start talking and cooperating. And oh being- yeah. There is a more. Okay. You know what? I'm going to note that because he still had to draw that. And then it goes back to that whole Frank Miller interview thing um, where the news is kind of debating if this is really truly like, does this Humane? count as Christ? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would you say? If you didn't know any better, if like this was actually the clone of Jesus Christ. Could you? No, would you it's agree like, that is it's Ben Riley, Peter Parker. You know what I mean? Like, nah. Like, oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> argument. I mean, some people could argue that, though. You know? Yeah. For some, you know, imagine if you're super religious and you find out that Jesus is coming back to Earth, but as a clone. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, it, I mean, I guess. I guess it just depends on a reli- how you view religion and your your stance on it for me i'm just somebody that's never uh, in the very first podcast i did with david and frank it was a big debate because i event i essentially think that like batman is like the equivalent to jesus christ uh-huh. um, <laughs> i could back up this argument pretty far uh, i'm um, not gonna argue with you <laughs> but, <laughs> but in like short like the fact that somebody could shoot batman at point blank range and it doesn't hit him and he survives it like is a miracle it's miraculous you know um the whole he's somebody that gives hope that you know helps you get through triumph that you see how he survived his hardships and overcame them and he's essentially just wanting the world to be a better place and all this type of stuff like it's the same hope people get from you know, believing in, in Jesus and God and all that. And, you know, kudos to them by all means. Um, but I, I just don't see it the same way to me. That doesn't make sense to me. What makes sense is what these heroes want us to be. Mm. And we follow the same guidelines. I just, I, I don't have to believe in it. You know, like that's, yeah. that's what gives you hope. That's great. You know, I, I totally respect that, but this is what gives me hope, you know? So mm-hmm. who's to say one is against the other. Who's to say that this isn't real, because is there proof that yours is real, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I only bring it up because this book does do a lot of debating, like uh, like this page specifically, where they have a uh, a evolutionary scientist and an outsp- who's an outspoken atheist, mm-hmm. you know, talking about, you know, they're discussing everything going on. And, you know, they even say Christians see it as the second coming of their Lord. And it's interesting because science and, you know, religion tend to clash a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could definitely see Sean Murphy manifesting that into this book, of course, throughout all of it. But in moments like these, where he, uh, to me, it comes off as the author kind of conversating with himself or debating things himself as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I love how he puts these points of views too. And you know what I mean? It really makes you, Sean really makes you think the whole way through and kind of weigh out the options and, you know, he really dives into other people's viewpoints to make an argument. Um, and it's kind of up to you at the end of it on your beliefs and then how you would feel about it. And yeah. that's the cool part. He really does leave it open to interpretation and you could take either side you want because everybody in the book has their own sides. Thomas, yeah. for example, Thomas wholeheartedly believes. Um, and you know what, when we get to the angel, remind me of that because yeah. I will fill you in on like what he said about that. Okay. Um, um, but that, that, you know, that's the cool part. It's that's right away in the beginning of the book. It's questioning things and making you think as a reader too, and consider two viewpoints. And it's not often we get that. Sometimes it is very one-sided. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> I just think these last couple panels are interesting because it's like evolu- evolution, evolution through natural selection is a fact. The fossil record proves it. And then the guy, the religious guy is like, evolution is just a theory. And then he, he counters with, so is gravity. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's mo- like I said, it's moments like that where I could see like Sean wrestling with his own Catholic beliefs at the time, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those comic book things that like comics is allowing him to express that. Yeah. Single-handedly, you know what I mean? By, you know, kind of playing puppeteers with these characters and everything. It's not like mm-hmm. a movie in that sense where you get actors to portray it. It's all him. Um, it's funny. Uh, so she's giving birth on, you know, Christmas Eve. Uh, and it's like on every TV in the world. And I, it's like a birth across like multiple screens, Times Square. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like the countdown to New Year's. Mm-hmm. But it says yeah. countdown to birth. It's a yes. right there, yeah. And then you have the Coca-Cola and like all this stuff like advertisements and everything you know i will say um with this book they never let you know where you are they never give you the where you kind of just have to assume none of these panels tell you that you're in new york or anything you know what i mean like or in japan or space or anything like you just have to look at the details and understand he and there's there's some flashback scenes that you don't really know where they are in continuity and you kind of have to you know, kind of backtrack and think yeah. about it and piece it together yourself. I, I took that island that they're stuck on almost like a limbo. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can see that. Maybe I'm reading too deep into it, but, you know, it's kind of like a, a limbo because you have this Jesus Christ who isn't on earth with the people, but he isn't like ascended to heaven either. He's just kind of like kept away in this like weird area that's like heavily monitored and no one's allowed in and out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But, you know, and that is interesting, though. You are totally right. Well, Jesus is born. But the thing is, is that there's a twin. 
there's two of them um and it's uh they've taken a the, the second child is taken away right away and nobody knows about it but slate and uh dr epstein and it's so you really see how like messed up and evil slate is because he takes this child injects it with the same like painkiller that they give uh gwen but it's two doses oh no it's one injection um but it's like the double the dose of what gwen got and then he tosses it the child into the river and it's assumed dead at that point like you're just you just kind of you know and the doctors they they cover it up like it was like a hologram for uh gwen's like uh, gwen giving birth when really mm-hmm. she's just kind of like passed out yeah um yeah so they it's, hid all of that it's really creepy and he sets up a lot of stuff that doesn't pay off to the very end and this is one of them um but you know that's the thing. You start to see how extreme the NAC are and it's really believable. Like how much they're trying to like just destroy this facility as we continue on. Like, um, oh, it says right here, June, 2020. Okay. So there, he gives timestamps, but not the when. that's interesting how he gives yeah, the where, not the, or he gives the when, not the where. Yeah. June 2020 coincidence. I think not. <sighs> um, and then he's Is, working on his bike again, of course. Just so happens you have a bunch of people, bunch of. I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> um, it's it's almost scary how this is like reflective of like this past year. How so? Like, what do you mean? Oh, it's just like the crazy zealots. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. Know, you, 100%. I see this like, I see like the June 2020 stamp and the people that are saying Jesus is Lord. And it looks exactly like Trump supporters (laughs) marching through the street, like all year long. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's crazy. Like Sean Murphy predicted the future somehow, I guess. (laughs) But that's why I said coincidence. I think not. It's what else were we? Oh, V for Vendetta that we're just, Oh guys, this is, this is like scared, like terrifyingly like relatable. Yeah. Um, Like I said, crazy. What what does he say? White people. Yeah. (laughs) And and the schooling, we get to see like an exhibit of like they they can bring up like holograms of places. Um, there's not the schooling, but they're just like in a spot trying to relax with Gwen and the doctor. Um, but we start to see how like kind of zoned out Gwen is at a certain point. Um, she's drinking apparently. Uh, she has she can't see her family or anything, and she has no support. She's just stuck here on reality TV. But this panel that has it's a full page splash it has thomas and then gwen kind of in the background and you could tell the art style is just a little bit different it looks just like manga in a sense um looking for it. Uh, which page oh yeah this book doesn't have page numbers either which no is it's like the worst thing ever trying to coordinate um i flipped through a few pages we're past the koala bear and everything all right you mean the polar bear Polar I don't know, like, because his name is Cola. I keep on saying oh, Cola. Okay, yeah, I see the spread right here. Yeah, um, but isn't that crazy how he shifts art styles like mid-page just for that one scene? I, I just thought that stood out a lot. But it looks like at a place, but you could tell it's kind of uh, maybe a reflection or something. Yeah, I can kind of see that. It's interesting. Like, it's just weird how he changes everything about it um and it has that like i don't know it, it gives me that manga anime vibe just for that it's is- uh the juxtaposition because mm-hmm. um you know if you read like scott mcleod he talks about that stuff like you know the whole moment to moment thing and all that 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's that uh, non sequitur. Is that what it's called? Um, I could be wrong. But uh, how the transitions are a little bit more like focused and intense kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. he has like the, the range. It's, used, it's used in manga, typically. Mm-hmm. And so we're brought back and it's kind of crazy. Uh, this is what I mean when it comes down to the flashbacks and everything. Like we're going more into Thomas's background and his backstory. And we kind of dwell in here for a minute until we come back out of it. Um, but this happens a lot where we're just tossed to know more about Thomas. And it only happens with Thomas's backstory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the only one that gets backstory. Yeah. Wow. My book stand fell over. Sorry. Um, there we go. And then they really realize that she's drinking a lot. And all of a sudden the doctor's pregnant. <laughs> and I think the doctor's the only one that can leave the Island. I think she does go home every night. Yeah. Cause when they uh, ask her whose kid is it, she's like anonymous donor. So, mm-hmm. and like, as a reader, I don't know. I, I, I caught it right away thinking like, okay, that means that she might have done something herself, like knowing what happened to that other child. Mm -hmm. um, She clearly is, you know, up to something, but I mean, it's kind of hidden at that sense because she does make it sound like she goes home. Um, But they find the alcohol and this is where we really get that, you know, celebrity style view with Gwen, you know, Um, that whole Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, like, downfall of like of, just alcohol and like because well being the there's a lot of things to consider there's she just gave birth so that's you know that's never easy uh, because you know giving birth is probably one of the hardest things to ever do mm-hmm. and it's it's a, it takes a lot out of you uh, she's like the center of attention for the entire world you know and you know, it's like she's a celebrity still because she's on like a TV show. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to put someone through. At 18. And then, you know at I mean? 18, yeah. yeah. And Slate, like forcing this alcohol onto her, I, again, I think represents like how these like corporations can control celebrities and like do these terrible things to them to keep them a certain way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, completely. And I mean, that's where she crashes the car. It's typical like celebrity, like that, that whole pattern that we see so commonly on TV every night, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's, it's tragic for a character because you really do feel bad for her. It's not something she wanted. It's not something she really wished for. She didn't know what she was really getting into. Um, and just kind of being molded and shaped by something, by people she doesn't even want, you know? Um, it's heartbreaking. And you know, uh, Thomas takes her out to try to see their family and even her family's house has been like destroyed people that NAC probably and other people that are against the show, like just go and just completely wreck it. Um, and this is where Thomas and her start to kind of bond. Um, and Thomas, you know, he's what like 30 something. He's like 33, 34, 35. He could, Cause when he was a kid, he was like six or eight when his dad died. Mm-hmm. So, you know, early, mid thirties, you know, it's about 25 years later. Yeah. I figured he was about six or eight when he shot his parents. Yeah. But under, under 10, these car scenes and everything, 
just so goddamn good. Like the action and the movement going on, like mm-hmm. it just it works so well. These, uh, the spread right here where they're riding the motorcycle, and you know, to me, it's probably some of his best work in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the first half of the book is the best because it's so clean. Yeah, it's a lot of silent storytelling. Yeah. And you really have to pay attention to all the art because the art really does correlate. Um, especially when they even talk about like how he's learning through like the 3D walls and everything and this new technology that's teaching him stuff. And it's about the flood and everything. And it's terrifying. Oh, Chris is, oh, his name is Chris. I don't, we didn't even say that, but the, he's been a baby this whole time and it's really hasn't even been focused on him no. until right now when we start learning about, you know, his educational system. Um, and this is the first we kind of really see. Uh, and they're trying to teach him just religious stuff. They're taking away science and all that type of stuff from his curriculum. And it's he he's like amused by it because of the powers he might have. But he's also terrified because of like the wrath of God and everything. Mm-hmm. Some of those stories. Um, and he just misses his mom. And he realizes, you know, Gwen is getting more and more distant. She's Well, uh, she tries escaping all the time, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it's always foiled. And what's crazy to me is like, when you see Chris, like what he's going through in school, uh, it's literally what Catholic schools do. Really? They, well, you know, they don't, they definitely teach you religion, Mm -hmm. like the history of the, you know, of God and Jesus Christ and all that on top of like regular curriculum. Okay. So a lot of private Catholic schools will actually, will actually have like, you know, classes that involve the bible and all that oh wow yeah yeah that yeah. makes sense okay I, I i was just thinking of something else but yeah that totally makes sense this is like a more hardcore version in my opinion oh i can imagine uh and it's you know i didn't notice this but um the doctor's wearing a dead kennedy's t-shirt under her robe uh and the I scene see? where chris falls into the pool no, i'm trying to find it Let's it's see. on the left page Falls into the pool. Oh, there we go. Okay, let me see. Is she really wearing a dead Kennedy shirt? Which page is that? Yeah, the on the where like yeah. Oh, the, I see it. Yeah, yeah, the DK. Yeah, you know what's fun? Uh, anybody who doesn't know, they're from San Francisco. Really? He ran for mayor. Jello, the lead <gasps> singer. What? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's he, awesome. Uh, he ran for mayor. <laughs> that's too cool. Um, but Chris falls in the pool and he almost drowns and then, he thought he could walk on water mm-hmm. and Gwen flips out and she takes, you know, she's saying that he needs to be with people. He needs to be around friends and everything. Um, and she, she's going insane. She grabs a knife and she just stabs herself in the hand and she's threatening like her life for for you know, just for a better to get away. Yeah. yeah. To get away and to grow up. And it's super, I mean, Gwen just like over and over, she never catches a break. Um, the moment she's introduced, uh, that's the greatest her life will ever be. Um, after that, it just goes downhill. Um, and it just shows the fear they live under with Slate as Chris goes on live TV. Um, they give him, they put him into public school and he likes this girl, but because she's black, she they end up paying off some white girl and paying off the school and the dad to not let Chris see her. And they get this white girl to go to prom with him. And it's just, 
it's so celebrity, you know, it's so, yeah. it's so tragic. It's so sad. Um, they need that picture perfect everything for, for Jesus. They, they need that image of like Jesus is like white with blue eyes and all that stuff, you know? Oh, and that was another thing. They uh, messed the color, messed with the color of his eyes when they were cloning him um, because it would have come out brown and mm. he needed to have blonde hair and blonde eyes. I mean, blue eyes. Um, blonde eyes. Blonde eyes. <laughs> and then uh, uh, the, the TV host asked if this is true. And he's like, no. And then he's basically told by Slate what to say to the media. And that is such a like prominent thing to this day with so many famous mm-hmm. people. Yep. You were just telling me about Sean Murphy, how he can't say stuff because DC tells him not to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With his interview, we have to go through the DC people and, uh, you know, that he was cool to tell me everything off camera, but, uh, yeah, like just the fact that everyone's kind of has somebody whispering behind them, telling them what to do, what they can do and what they can and cannot say. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, it's it's so crazy. She's always trying to escape. I think this is another escape attempt, right? Right after this. Yeah, she's leaving with Chris. Um, and what they end up doing is that they end up kicking out Gwen, but keeping Chris. And Chris throws a fit. He gets pissed. He destroys everything. Um, Gwen is now on her own and she's in an apartment and because i mean she's already tried to kill herself she's already depressed she's an alcoholic um her life is destroyed like who knows what she could do outside of this because of the publicity she got but she jumps and when she jumps this awesome like spawn character todd mcfarlane looking angel comes out and he grabs her and basically makes her kind of see the light in a sense and she wakes Mm -hmm. up has the bruises and because the angel has so much detail and it's interesting because he even comments on this, you know, every, I, f- I felt like the angel was going to come back having a character stand out. Like, yeah, that, that was so weird. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And, like that. Angel, and you know, like to me, I was like, okay, I don't know if that was going to come back, but he doesn't, it's like, was it, did that all actually happen or no, that's her faith. That's her that's belief. Her, oh, okay. Um, the bruises were never actually there. Uh, the angel wasn't there. Um, that's why we don't see him again. Um, but because of his, I mean, he has like swords on each wing. Like how cool is that? You know what I mean? Uh, but because of his design and everything, he looks like a prominent player, you know? Um, but he just wanted to have fun and draw this, but this is all, none of it's real. Um, at all. I don't, you know, it's not really explained on like, you know, how she got back or anything. That's all. It's just all faith. And, um, we see that later on as well, but you know, Time is kind of passing by at this point. Um, she ends up teaming up with the NAC and they end up trying to break into J2 to free her son. And oh my God, dude, why did they have to kill the freaking polar bear? I know they sliced the polar bear's throat. Yes. And I'm like, Jesus so, Christ. Like it's, it's just no pun intended, but <laughs> <laughs> like it's so tragic. And it's just, oh, and it's man. not, and it's followed up by Gwen's death and you know, Everyone's in lockdown because there's people with guns trying to invade the place and break in and Gwen is leading them and Gwen is trying to go through this door and she gets cut in half, like just stuck between the doors. Um, I forgot what movie I was thinking of that had this, is it ghost ship or something like that? Something ridiculous. I don't know. Um, I know in dead space, if you get caught in an airlock in dead space too, you get cut in half. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like that's how messed up this is. And poor girl, like she just wanted to go back and get her son and she just, that's all she wanted. And she dies right in front of Chris. Um, Chris just 
you know, the doors reopen and the only person who's in charge of the door is a slate. Um, it's messed up. It's so sad. And this is, you know, yet another turning point for Chris. And this is when Chris, he's angry. He just starts kind of training, kind of getting healthier. He discovers punk rock. He starts, uh, reading into more books and he starts, uh, sneaking in books and everything and sneaking in vinyls. Um, and this is where he just transforms and he gets into, I love it because they even mess with his school curriculum. So he could learn like, um, about like it's crazy how much like fact checking there is here like it says like the catholic church sentenced galileo to house arrest for insisting the earth was not the center of the universe and he's like what a bunch of (laughs) and he says our forefathers believed in the separations of church and state they were secular thinkers many of them agnostics and you know it's crazy like he talks about carl sagan you know Nobel Prize winners are agnostics and atheists, Einstein, Hawkins included, Carl Sagan. You know, it's just like he it's 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 crazy because this this moment represents to me like what it felt like for myself and probably many other people as you begin to grow up and begin to come out of your shell. Question things and try to question things things together and getting into punk rock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's crazy how on the head like Sean Murphy hit that, you know. Oh yeah. And it's uh that development, that teenage angst, that you know, question of authority and kind of discovering yourself and realizing that the world isn't what it seems and you know that what your what your parents, you know, quote unquote, um believe probably isn't the truth and yeah you kind of just there's more out there than what they've taught you um and this is where he starts you know changing and doing all that yeah and And sean murphy draws a pretty mean looking abraham lincoln yeah right yeah yeah. (laughs) um for real though and carl sagan looks so hyped yeah i know planets and everything um but it's cool and they introduce him uh of you know, in front of all these people and he comes out in the Mohawk and the punk rock attire and everything. Yeah, that whole page spread is crazy. I don't know where he gets these dog tags from, though. What does it say on them? Uh, let me see if I can see it. It says his name. Wow, he got Christ. dog tags. I've never done that. Like, it says Christ Jesus, but the number just says one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, zero. POS Atheist. Huh. Yeah, um, it's got his name on it. Interesting. And and I think this it's literally the middle of the book or somewhat middle of the book where things take a turn. Well, dude, I mean, think about it this way. Uh we've read almost half of the story now. And it was all and, Thomas and Gwen basically. Yeah. And um, it built up to this. And then this is where like Jesus takes like a there goes another motorcycle. You know what? It's actually more than half the book. Oh, it is? Before we're really like brought into Chris being the main character. It really shifts gears. Do you know how many issues this was? Was it only six or five or something? I don't know. I want to say it was five or six issues, um, but like 32 pages. Oh, that explains. It's a pretty dense read, though. Yeah, it really is. It feels longer than six issues. Um, And the way he wrote it was in screenplay format. It wasn't broken up in uh, like individual issues. Um, It was all just one long story, but there was the right, beats at the right time to kind of chop it Mm -hmm. into stuff um and karen berger the editor at vertigo and she was running vertigo at the time um 
she's the one that helped him out a lot with that. Well, and check this out. So Chris, you know, he's been announced and we kind of see this, the, the version of Chris, we pretty much see throughout the rest of the book, but also we go to Thomas and all of a sudden there's like a sudden flashback scene. And dude, I thought it was like Thomas and Chris on this first page as he rides off on the bike and starts talking about the IRA, the Irish Republican army. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was like Chris cause the Mohawk and everything like it just, it just looks like him too. But it's, and it's Thomas. It's and honestly, you can't tell it's Thomas until you turn the page. Cause you could even believe that that's like a buffer version of Chris in the corner. Cause he's riding a motorcycle. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think, man, it's, I think I read this entire little flashback and I had to like go back and realize, Oh, this is a flashback sequence for one. Cause there's no change in like, no, that's what I'm saying. The colors, those the were colors colors or anything. Maybe, maybe what I can see is that there's more blacks. It's heavier on the ink and the flashbacks than anywhere else. How do you uh, feel about that? I think it's for the action, like the inking. Cause if you look at like all the blood and violence, you know, oh, damn. And then when we go back to present tense, it goes back. It still has that heavy ink. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you really can't. Maybe a tonal shift. I don't know. You really can't tell, right? Until you like sit, like settle in and realize the same character, but to give the main character, like Jesus, you know, Chris, uh, the Mohawk. And then you kind of go and do the same thing for Thomas. Especially when a lot of characters look the same. Yeah. Like it doesn't work that well. Um, I see the influence. I could see how like it makes him and Thomas more relatable to each other and all that Mm -hmm. type of stuff. But it's really hard to differentiate whose timeline we're following when we do these jumps. Cause it's every so while it's not like on specific times either, but he goes in and he joins this uh, punk rock band called the flak jackets. Sounds Um, like a very punk name. And you know, they all have their individual characteristics. Yeah. It's kind of like the gorillas. Yeah. Yeah. They all have like that unique, thing going on with them um and he's the lead vocal lead singer and everything uh playing shows just like using his music to change the world man yeah um, they also uh, have that moment that spread where he's shaped like the cross yeah flipping everyone off too yeah yeah and he's basically saying jesus hates you yeah and he's very anti everything um anti-establishment anti you know religion you know he's a typical punk lead singer in the sense that he's like against like the you know the ones that are controlling everything yeah it gets the you know the punk rock 101 ethics oh it's all crazy, punk rock you know? <laughs> punk rock 101 ethics <laughs> um, and i'm flipping like really far ahead now i'm like i'm just kind of like going through this because it's really just setting up chris and how him and his band kind of just don't agree and they're trying to fight and they're trying to prove they're that doing that very punk thing where they send a message through their music. Yeah. And it's, uh, trying to bring the truth out and that's all he's trying to do. Um, and we're also introduced to Rebecca who was the, the, girl the other, that, yeah, the other child that, um, Dr. Epstein had, um, and she's kind of like in that same punk rock attire and everything too. Yeah. But the, uh, she's like, um, uh, she's like the, it's like, I don't want to spoil Should I just spoil it now? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you find out they're siblings. Yeah. Cause they're like the same DNA. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like that situation where you have multiple siblings. I don't know about you, but for me, I have like five sisters and like three brothers. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only one that likes punk music and dresses the way I do. You know, I'm not like, you know, I'm not like hardcore to the point where I have mohawk and like leather jackets and boots and all that. But, you know, it's one of those things that like when you look at siblings, they contrast each other a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's so yeah. funny because I, my, you know, my brother and I, I, I was the one with the mohawk and the leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a faux hawk for a while. I never committed to a full-on mohawk. I think when you and me started the show doing it together, my hair started growing out again. And I haven't had a mohawk since April, but that was like my... Oh, when we met, I had a mohawk. That's true. You did have a yeah. mohawk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, remember, um, I went the different route of punk. I'm more of the pop punk appreciator. There you go. Yeah, there you know, I, I like my flannels and my uh, my gelled <laughs> spiky hair, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, like it's I look at this... Yeah, I look at this and like it just seems like typical sibling stuff where you have that you have that brother or sister mm-hmm. or whoever, you know, sibling that's like they are into a certain scene and they dress that way. Yes, exactly. You know, like you put like one of my sisters and I next to each other, we dress completely differently, you know, like you know, she I may dress I have like, you know, eight earrings because you know i i guess yeah i have eight earrings and like a nose ring you know like i'm gonna be a very big contrast compared to some of my sisters and my brothers oh okay yeah see yeah i could see that yeah um and you know i keep on wanting to point out but i don't think i've come across one yet but pages that are two page spreads but you read them as like individual pages and then you realize that you're wrong because that start maybe it happens more towards the end um, maybe I, you know what I get the sense of this book is that he wanted to finish it once things started going. Yeah. And you could kind yeah. of feel it even in the artwork. Here's a good example, actually. Um, I guess you could count it, count it. It's kind of the Mad Max scene where they're on the road, like they're kind of on tour. Oh, and- I was going to talk about something real quick before that. Oh, what's that? so there's that page with the kid. Oh, yeah. In the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I think this comes back to... In a way, V for Vendetta. We haven't talked about the book yet, but we watched the movie and talking about symbolism. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the kid in the wheelchair, he tells Chris that, you know, he's actually Christian. Um, he used to be an atheist. But when he was dying, he, you know, changed his mind. That's what he says right there. Yeah. And... The thing is, he admits to that doesn't stop him from loving what he's doing. And he agrees with his lyrics and he still has love for his faith. So it's kind of interesting to look at how, how do I do this? Um, well, it's, it's that contrast between like the NAC and this kid, you know? This yeah, kid exactly. Extreme, the NAC uh, has that very like extremist gonna, view. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to call them Trump supporters. <laughs> like, you know, they, that's what they look like to me. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to talk about that at the end of the book. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, the, the Trump supporting hardcore Christians, they are this one side of like faith. It mm-hmm. kind of comes back to that spectrum of like faith and religion. Yeah. And this kid, you know, he appreciates what Chris is doing and he's still religious. And I think it's kind of comes back to what you're saying, what religion does for you and how you see it. 
Yeah, it's it's you something I mean? that he found like comfort and fate, like hope and something that he could believe in. Yeah, because you know he found out he was on. dying, and it allowed him to have this hope and faith that he could still live by being mm-hmm. religious. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know, even though Chris is saying one thing, he still represents this symbol for this kid, no matter what. And like he loves Chris no matter what, you know. Yeah. You may not you you may be Christ, <laughs> and you may have different viewpoints than me, um, and you may not believe at all. But like that's okay, like that's cool because I I do, and that's what you know. I find comfort in it, and I'm he's not pushing it on Chris and saying that you should be doing this. And I think that's where, you know, I think that's where religions fail so hard is by forcing upon their beliefs and ideas and ideals against everyone else. And if you're not part of it, then you're evil. And that's the big thing. If you know, the ones that act like, Oh, you don't believe then you are evil and you're wrong and all this stuff. It's like, well, that's, that's where that negative stereotype comes in. And that's upsetting, you know? Um, Cause all of us are kind of like this kid who's just like, do what you need to. And you know, whatever gets you through the day. Yeah. And I think uh, this is like, a, again, this is Sean Murphy's kind of critique. I'm more focused with this book on the, I guess, like uh, critiquing of religion than the actual, I guess, story in a way. Oh, because yeah. I do like the story a lot. The art is amazing, and his paneling can do some work. You know, uh, this is early yeah. in his career when you he was know, working on it. And the paneling is probably like the worst thing about it. Yeah, but what his subject matter is what makes this book so crazy to me. Yeah. And again, I think this is Sean Murphy and maybe he'll hear this episode one day and tell me I'm wrong or whatever. But to me, this is Sean Murphy kind of saying, if religion does this for you and if it inspires you to have faith and hope and inspire you to love other people and to respect others and appreciate other people, then this is showing him showing you how it could be that. I could see that for sure. Um, and you know it's kind of funny because you're you have the christians and then you have this intense catholic and they are just both like the catholic thomas is like loaded with guns yeah he's the like, yeah, i mean there's that one panel a while back where he has guns on the wall and then a cross yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> they're kind of the same way it's such a it's kind of funny because you get the two extremists you know on each side of the spectrum as well yeah of the catholic it's not even sides anymore it's just different directions at this point it's like a a 3d (laughs) axis yeah there's Um, different perspectives i love this little mad max scene that we have here um with the nac and everyone like it's really intense and it's kind of how they make peace with the nac Mm -hmm. and then dude again wait are we is this another spot yes this is another spot after that whole debacle with the NAC um, and then Thomas and Chris have a discussion outside, but then we're dude, we're back on another flashback and you don't see the transition. The and then you think it's Thomas. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think it's Chris, but it's actually Thomas. And it, it throws you off like where you are in the story. It throws you off like, and I get it. It's an important moment where we see Thomas's backstory on how, you know, he, he accidentally killed some kids because he was part of a bombing at a police station, but he tried to save the kids, but he just failed and he let himself get captured. Um, and then how he kind of found hope and faith in Gwen at one point, And he just wanted to take care of her. Yeah. Um, he wanted to redeem himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of like, 
you know, a transitionary period in the story where we're kind of just checking in where everybody's at, what, um, what everyone's plan is. And then Chris says he's planning to go to, uh, was it Jerusalem? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the three meeting points of, uh, he says right here, uh, the birth, the birthplace of Christianity. Yeah. Um, Cause he wants to do a, a concert there. Mm-hmm. And it's like the final way to send a message. Yeah. And then this whole thing is interesting because this is basically a, you know, somewhat the leader of the NAC or spokesperson at this point, what's her name again? Um, oh, um, I was her name. Uh, I forget for sure. Uh, I have it right here. It starts with an M Daisy Milton. Yeah. Daisy Milton. I knew her last name was Milton, but she asked for forgiveness and she asked to have not attacked or she didn't want to attack Chris. And she tells, she's asking Chris for forgiveness, but then says he's misguided by the devil. So yeah. she's still like looking up to him, but still trying to tell him how to be. Yeah. And that's kind of like that preachiness that some of these, you know, and he talks about how Milton created him twice. Because the J2 exists because they knew they could profit from the viewership of fat Midwestern Christian, and I'm quoting uh, Chris in the book here, uh, viewership of fat Midwestern Christian housewives like you and your constant harassment over the years, the years only increased ratings. My God, how accurate is this book to 2020 people? Yes. Jesus Uh, Christ. No pun intended again, but... I'm going to have nothing but pun. I'm like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this book to me is like, I feel like Sean Murphy was like reading the future and I'm going to rant about that later. But like, this is, can I, can I just, Christ, (laughs) this is crazy. You know, like, like to me, that is the craziest part about this book is how on the nose Sean Murphy was when it comes to religious fanatics that, just so happened to coincide with Trump supporters. But <laughs> and it's, you know, maybe it's just also the fact that they just haven't changed and they just haven't learned. You yeah. Know? Like, and he knows the patterns. He knows the way, you know, he knows the audience. And like it is, like I said, I'll go into more of it later. But then he said, You created me a second time when you contributed to my mother's death. That's when his faith fell apart and when he became an atheist. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those crazy things where the religious figure that you look up to doesn't even have faith. What do you do at that moment? And then of course she throws a fit <laughs> like they would. Yeah. And you know, uh, it's just, I don't know. Like to me, this is one of the craziest parts of the book because I can't get over how on the like nose that was. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And when you think about the type of shows that, you know, like how people act, their way of thinking, their television choice, stuff like that. It's it, he nailed it perfectly. Yeah, and it's just you know with twenty twenty wrapping up, I felt like this was the book to choose. Yeah, for yeah. Christmas, this was you know like kind of just a look back practically. Yeah, and like we'll get to it before we're done. But anyways, um, so yeah, so he's gonna go do his concert. Well, and I was gonna say, you know, they have this uh, badass like plane that's taking him uh, across the world and all that. Um, and then, dude, we're thrown into another flashback. And what throws me off so hard here is that we're on the plane, and then we see Thomas getting thrashed around, and it looks like he's leaving the country, and security stopped them and just thrashing him around in this new country. That was the person. That's like 
what I understood when I first read it. Um, it wasn't until a few pages later where I kind of just read through it and then we get kind of pushed back that I'm like, Oh, that was another flashback. That wasn't happening. Now. <laughs> another flashback. Yeah. Um, I was going to say before that flashback, there's some interesting stuff. Chris says, hmm. um, sorry. I, I, I keep wanting to like study all the pages as you keep going. Um, but, uh, where is it? Uh, Chris says he read a hundred books, a hundred, a hundred books on religion. So exactly 100 before he escaped the J two. Um, what does he say? Uh, he chooses Jerusalem because Jerusalem is a symbol and that if he plays in Jerusalem, he feels like that's as far as they could push it. Yeah. Like this was the final thing to prove a point. And this was the final attempt to like, see how far they can go. And he kind of knows that this may not go anywhere, you know? Um, and they're even saying like, dude, you have no, you have security here and you have help here. But once you cross international borders, like there's a thousand other religious groups that hate you. And if you think the NAC are bad, then just wait till you get out there. Cause they will not think twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and which we find out is pretty damn true. Yeah. Um, uh, so you're talking about the flashback though. Oh, and then the flashback is really great because it reveals that the dad was trying to break away from the NRA. Uh, mm, uh, the IRA. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, he quit and his brother that actually is the one that saved Thomas at the end, um, didn't want him to quit. And he went to the police for protection and he just wanted to protect his family. And he didn't want, you know, the fact that Thomas knew how to like unload a gun on his own at six years old, terrified him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, he didn't want that for his son. So Thomas's future and what he grew up to be, was everything that his dad didn't want him to become. Exactly. And that just adds more tragedy to Thomas's story. Um, and he ends up going to prison and, oh, uh, oh we'll, we'll piece that part together in a minute. Um, unless it happens right now. Oh, I think it does. Yeah. Well, he finds out that the his uncle um, that saved him actually was the one behind the attack that he and he's like it makes sense like how would he get there so fast after the shooting like how would he know where to be like he's the one that ran it and he killed them and you know at the very beginning the uncle shoots the dad in the head after thomas shot his dad in the throat and it Mm -hmm. looks like it's out of sympathy and out of empathy he didn't want him to suffer anymore so the uncle shoots him in the head but it was actually like an execution shot he wanted to make sure he died um and it's you just feel so bad, and then Thomas goes back and just kills everybody. everyone, everybody. Every, yes. I was gonna say everyone, everybody at the same time. Yeah, and he it, goes in and completely murders them all. And you know, uh, we also didn't mention that his name is the his nickname is the graveyard. Oh, the cemetery, the cemetery, oh, the cemetery. Sorry, yeah, yeah and because that's because it's not announced till like right now too. Um, it was like inserted into the script. Um, Unless they do say it like in the beginning, I may have missed that. Well, he's a cemetery because he gets a cross for every person he kills, like mm-hmm. tattooed on him. Oh, I guess they do reveal that because um, they do show him getting those tattoos yeah. at a certain point. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but also, this is another thing with Faith. Um, he's in prison for, you know, murdering a bunch of people murdering and all that. And they end up cutting him a break. But uh, he like gets visited by, um, I guess, but like 
the Holy Spirit, Mother Mary, something. Um, but essentially just saying that like he has a chance to redeem himself, but he must never take another life. And if this is a flashback, we know that Thomas is killed. A lot so of people. people since. Yeah. Then. Um, and that's why he's kind of just like following around and part of this J2 project, because if this is Jesus Christ, he could find redemption. He's got to re- yeah, he's got to redeem himself by protecting Jesus. And, you know, then we kind of go back to the now. So we know Thomas's purpose now, yeah. which is kind of interesting. You know, this is so the story. stubborn about protecting Chris and yes. like being so involved. And then mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I get it. He's trying to redeem himself from all the murders he committed. But literally it's because he knows that he's already killed and he's doomed and he's just trying to yeah. find one more way out. Um, so he doesn't is, burn in hell for eternity. Yep. And so, you know, they land or they're approaching the concert in Jerusalem and they get shot down by uh, some terrorists. I guess, I don't know, not even terrorists. Then they see our terrorists too. But a religious group shoots them down and they end up taking Chris. And then, dude, Thomas just slaughters everybody. Like, yeah, he, he just goes on a rampage to protect him and because he's so close to dying with the gun to his head. Yeah, and he's he's just tearing stuff up and he's just thinking about the promise he made to Gwen about the promise he kind of made to not to like kill anybody else. And he's basically just grabs Chris (laughs) promise. me, Yeah. Like, tell me, are you, are you it or not? Um, and their guitarist like is super severely injured and she's barely holding on to dear life, but it turns out she dies. Uh, and it's just the band kind of breaks up at that point. But even like the basis is funny because he's just like the one that's just like the wild, crazy one. And he's just like, you guys knew what you're getting into. And if you didn't think that your life was on the line, then I'm sorry, you're fools. He, and he has the no basis, sympathy. The basis kind of reminds me of like those super, super stubborn, like gatekeeping punk rockers. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is the mythos of punk and they yeah. actually miss it. And like, yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, in a in a in the punk rock community, everyone should always feel safe. Um, that's like a given. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, and this guy is just like, screw it, we got to put this show on no matter what. And if you quit, you're you guys, you know, you're not proving who you are and all that. And and the the drummer who was known as a like was like Jimi Hendrix, like reincarnated practically because of his drumming and all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> super funny. But I mean, like, so the band's pretty much no more. Um, and, you know, him and uh, Chris and Rebecca kind of come out and expose everything. They talk about the truth and they acknowledge that they are related and brother and sister. And the doctor reveals what happened. The whole world is shocked. Um, and the NAC just come in and they just, they're just relentless. They're just always that opposing force that are coming through to destroy everything. Um even after making peace for that brief moment, you know, uh, mm. but it's kind of the final showdown and it's, you know, it's kind of weird. Um, I feel like the ending, you're right. Like it just happens. Like the concert yeah. happens, things don't work out and they're going to escape on a helicopter and they end up shooting down the helicopter. And that's how Chris dies. People banging on windows, like the ballads, you know, <laughs> Yeah, and it's uh, you kind of get filled in on more backstory, like how, like Rebecca was saved and all this type of stuff. Um, yeah, I was trying to find that page uh, where you find out Rebecca was saved. Um, I feel like there was something I wanted to say there. 
I really wish there was page numbers to this because I, yeah. I have like a bunch of bookmarks for a bunch of things I wanted to talk about, you know. Um, but anywho, you find out she was the baby. Yeah. And then, and, you know, it's kind of brought to an end and how like Slate kind of got away with everything. And Thomas hunts him down in the very last page. It's a two-page slash with Thomas dragging Slate down the street. And, you know, I, I get it. Um, oh, wait, I, I found the page. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, I'll say, I, I get the whole ending. Like, you know, it's it's kind of just like, it's closure. Everything kind of just, it, it's real sudden too, you know? Yeah, the, the final issue feels like everything's just like done. Like yeah, said. they're just filling in blanks to wrap it up. I, I It literally feels like they're like, wrap it up, wrap it up. Yeah. But uh, I was going to say, yeah, so uh, basically the doctor, what was her name, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah, she never knew why Rebecca was going to get drowned, but she went to go save her, which is a callback to her saving Chris as well because she jumped in the water and saved him when he was in the pool. Oh, wow, that's true too. Yeah. Um, You know, Sarah to me was like the all-around good character trying her best. I mean, she isn't completely good, but she tried her best to essentially make the world a better place. You know, the whole reason she did the whole cloning project was to get funding for her like environmentalism. Yeah, it's like an algae project, a project that would like clean the oceans and clean the air and all that type of stuff. Yeah, and they got a new polar bear. Yeah, they cloned yeah. polar bear. So cute. Um, um, you know, and I didn't even point out some of the panel because we're kind of flipping through it, but there, there were panelings where you're supposed to read it the whole page across, like two page spread, and there it's quite often that you, you know, you read one page and then you start the second page, and you don't realize like, oh, these were connected because it doesn't even flow like. And I mean, you can't really say much. This guy did it all by himself and it's one of yeah. his first books and he's like a master at the craft now, but it's, that, that's what I meant by like the paneling is the worst thing, but it's like still great. You know, these yeah. flashes are effective. The pacing is done excellent. Um, very well. Um, but just like sometimes the order of it and that can happen in, you know, the biggest of professionals books. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody needs more practice. Um, I have no doubt that, you know, from making more comics, his paneling got better. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I was going to ask you that question for the podcast. Uh, Would you say Chris was a martyr? Well, I mean, when you think about, you know, he's definitely a false idol um, in that sense. Um, If, You know, a martyr is somebody that dies for their religious beliefs. Um, well, I looked up the definition. What's the definition? Okay. And I, uh, you are right with the definition. Um, you know, uh, if we go to dictionary.com, uh, there's a few. As a noun, a person who willingly suffers death rather than announce his or her religion, a person who is put to death or endures great suffering on behalf of any belief, principle, or cause. Uh, a person who undergoes severe or constant suffering, a person who seeks sympathy or attention by feigning or exaggerating pain, deprivation, etc. Um, what was the one that was believe something and cause? Uh, a person who is put to death or endures great suffering on behalf of any belief, principle, or cause. Then yes, he is a martyr because Chris is not. He is saying he's not Jesus Christ. He's saying don't follow he wasn't- me. Yeah, yeah, and you find out he wasn't. Um, but, and that's his belief. And he's literally put to death by the in, uh, 
in, in, in AC um, because of his, you know, fight that like, just leave me the alone. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm just trying to live like my life to an extent and I know what I represent. I know what you're led to think. Um, but trust me, that's not it, you know, and I will mm-hmm. do everything I can to make you believe that this isn't Jesus. Like you're not messing with Jesus here. You're messing with me, like Chris, you're messing with an individual. Um, and it's, it's tragic that they are the ones that killed him because of their beliefs, because of their extreme thoughts that they just wouldn't let it go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't argue with you one bit. I mean, maybe someone could say otherwise. If I were, uh, if this were like an essay, I'm pretty sure he could write a equally uh, argumentative essay that he wasn't a martyr. Mm-hmm. But he might need to do a little bit more, you know, research. Um, that one, yeah, yeah. And then, um, can I uh, can I go into why I think this book is so important? Then yes. Okay, so. As everyone has just heard, we went through the story and talked about like, you know, flashbacks, the paneling, you know, coloring versus black and white and all that. I think reading this book now was probably some of the craziest timing more than ever. And, you know, it comes back to, like I said, when we were watching V for Vendetta, we were like, guys, is this real or? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, we kind of hit. And it's really weird. We didn't plan any of that out either. We didn't think about the 2020 effects. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, just, well, I guess what we're drawn to, I guess, subconsciously and also like how art will just imitate life in the most extreme ways. Um, dude, and it can like, take years to happen. Yeah, it's crazy. Cause I go back to this page where it says June, 2020, it literally says the year 2020 in it. And for anybody who's been following the news, you literally had people with signs saying Jesus is Lord at multiple gatherings people had that were unsafe as well. Uh, as in people not wearing masks and all that, you know, Trump mm-hmm. supporters, but <laughs> I, I'm trying not to get too political here. I'm sorry. It's true. <laughs> yeah. it's <laughs> You know, like that is, you know, it says 2020 right there. And, you know, I was literally watching some videos last night of like people chanting that like Jesus is Lord, you know? And like, it's crazy to me, like this whole year, um, you know, something has been happening every month practically. And, you know, as soon as the pandemic hit, everything kind of went pretty crazy. And one thing we definitely saw was people like that, like gathering, you know, chanting religious things, Um, And I'm not even trying to bash religion here. It's just like, it's so scary how on the nose it is, you know? Yeah. And it just shows things haven't changed. That's another thing. It's just like people don't change. Their mindset won't change. And that's the sad part is that it's hard. It's upsetting that we can't look at this and be like, Hey, look at what they thought we'd be like in, you know, seven years, eight years, you know? Um, And coincidence. I think not. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just really just like, Hey, look, that's still going on. And this story started coming to life in 2003. It came out 10 years later, um, which also shows you how long it takes to get some work out there. Um, yeah, for, for real. Writing, especially in comic books, um, independent books, especially. But uh, yeah, it's it's sad, you know? Like, it's yeah, more sad. It's, you know, 
reading this book, it's just like, man, I see the the NAC is what kind of like scares me in this book. The new American Christians, like they've it, evolved. Yeah, it's it's scary how accurate Sean Murphy is. You know, it's it's scary because it literally says the date right there. You know, yeah. it, you know, yeah. it says. I mean, yeah, he, there's only like, uh, like two or three timestamps. I think there's like Christmas 2019 and then it says June, 2020. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it says the year 2020 is like, is what blows my mind. And that it's so accurate to all the people that were like, you know, pro Trump marching the streets with those same exact signs and like same beliefs. And I don't know. It's yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. Which, it's, uh, I guess because it happened multiple times this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, um, it's a intense read, you know, it's something that I don't think no matter how ready you think you are for this book, you're not going to be ready for what you witness. Yeah. Especially Um, if, especially if you have come from a religious background, um, cause I thought I was going to read a book where it's just about some guy being Jesus, like, you know, rocking out which yeah, it is but yeah. like, from like beginning to end kind of thing but yeah i was thoroughly shocked of how much this critiques like it, it's and that's what i mean it, it, there's oh the world that he created um and placed this character in uh is very you know it's very grounded in a sense but um he goes so deep into it uh, the first, I mean, essentially what the, whatever the first issue is, the first 32 pages, which is kind of like your act one um, in most comic books. Um, it sets up the mindset of everybody. It sets up the, how corporations work, how uh, the media works, how um, like how people are from a day to day, you know, and what, what they follow and what, what's really groundbreaking. And it's, um, it's great seeing a world be built so intensely in an independent book. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't get that too often right off of, you know, something so complex, you know, it's very uh, thought out. It's very deep. Um, And it definitely, he, he, you know, he was questioning a lot with himself. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he was looking at every viewpoint possible and trying to include that, trying to like, he's arguing against himself and proving his point at the same time. Yeah, and that that's the cool part about this story. Um, it gives you so many perspectives and how different people in different stages of power think of things as well. Because also, you know, we didn't even talk about it, but uh, during a lot of those punk rock shows, like Manhattan had been flooded, um, uh-huh. you know, and it was like nobody was there. It was kind of just like um, an abandoned squat- area. Yeah, it was squatters where punks were sleeping and all that, um, squat houses and whatnot. Um, so that's like a very, you know, he does a lot of callbacks to like punk rock, like mythos and everything too, you know? Um, he was actually going to do each cover like as a tribute to a different album cover. And then nowadays uh, in 2020, those would be the variant covers. Um, oh yeah, they would be. Back in 2013, they're like, you know, these characters stand out way too much to like, you know, not represent them more and represent the story. Like the story's strong enough and deep enough. And I mean, Sean Murphy just kicks ass, dude. He has a great yeah. look. He has a great like aesthetic um, in his artwork. And it's for him to do this entire thing, dude, that's epic. That Respect. is awesome. <laughs> yes. Like that is Respect. insane. It's so well thought out. And our complaints are real minor. 
you know like yeah no like, i mean it was early in his career i imagine like, yeah and it's no just, gonna be perfect at paneling it, it, for a black and white book it's highly recommended oh yeah definitely we wouldn't spend all this time talking about it and me practically raging of how scaringly accurate this book is you know like, yeah i just can't get over that like I mean, I guess because we haven't really talked about a lot of the stuff going on in the world, you know? Yeah, this is our excuse. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, any final thoughts on Punk Rock Jesus? Um, highly recommended, of course. I think there's a lot to touch when it comes uh, to, you know, a lot of topics he touches with this book. And I think they're worth, you know, reading and seeing his critique of it and kind of comparing it to this year honestly i mean like really comparing it to like your own mindset yeah exactly you know it's a book you could finish and kind of sit down and kind of ponder about and reflect on and was was chris right you know was he wrong um who was the good guy in the story in the essence you know like it's hard to say at a certain point yeah where Um, does like at what point does religion go too far or even science with the cloning, you know, like, or even just trying to like a kid, just trying to prove his point, you know, yeah. like how far do you have to take it? You know, what like are the how, limits? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. they go into really extreme things. Um, and was it necessary, you know, but good stuff, dude. I mean, it's definitely, it's worth another read. I've read it twice. You know, I read it like four or five years ago and rereading it now was great. Um, I would definitely jump back into it. Um, at some point it's I'm, I'm, it's a book you kind of pick up something every time you read oh definitely it's so dense oh and uh real quick i counted 36 panels with motorcycles that's like 10 of issue <laughs> you know what i mean like um yeah um that's uh that's about it uh sorry everybody for getting too crazy about how worked up i got but uh you know it's, a, it's very appropriate you know in my copy i have a deluxe edition and i bought it off of ebay but i gotta let it sit because it's kind of warped i've never had that happen where a book is warped it was kind of hard to keep open but you know what thanks for hanging thanks for having me lovely i think it's christmas eve oh uh, almost uh will it be yeah actually yeah it will be christmas eve yeah i'm losing track of my days merry christmas everybody Merry Christmas, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas, Brandon. Thank you for having me.